Hello and welcome back to Further Explanation, the Taylor Swift Podcast. I'm Kaya. And I'm Callie. There may be no further explanation by Taylor, but there will be from us. I really feel like we need some we need some music, some intro, outro music. I've been asking Kaya to make it and she <laughs> won't. What to do? I just think like if you just like interpolate a little guitar riff from like the story of us or mine or sparks fly and you record a little something of your voice in there, I think that would be perfect. Okay. <laughs> but we have to choose which one I want you want to do. Okay. If you guys have any thoughts, let us know. You can uh, send us a message on Instagram and tell us what you prefer. So we have a lot to talk about in this episode because Taylor did a lot in the last like 72 hours. We're recording this on Sunday. So there's another show tonight. So there could yeah. be other things that we would need to discuss. Or surprise song tradition, uh, uh, surprise song predictions. <laughs> Welcome to New York. I don't know if she's actually going to play that. I mean, when else would she though? This would be the only show. But she might not play it at all. She might not, but I feel like she's going to play everything. When you look in the international dates, <laughs> she'll probably reset for those. And she said she can, yes, yes, very true. And she said that she can repeat anything as long as it's from midnight. She can play it as many times as she wants. I could definitely see her playing Hits Different. I was kind of surprised she didn't play Friday, but then she did what she did on Friday. And She doesn't seem to be acknowledging all the craziness that's happening, though, so... So in this episode, we're going to talk about all this stuff. We're going to talk about Hits Different, The Snow on the Beach featuring more Lana Del Rey, Karma remix, the Karma music video, You're Losing Me, and then East Rutherford shows Nights 1 and 2. I know we said our next episode, so this one, would be a Speak Now music video episode, but clearly there's just a lot of stuff that no, we... No, no. <laughs> this, we're in unprecedented times here. This is... <laughs> we really got to be ready to jump on anything that's going on. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so thank you to everyone listening and everyone subscribed to this podcast. We are continuously growing and it's so cool to see the podcast is a lot of work, um, which I wrote in here to mention to you guys, but it's even more prevalent considering Kai and I just spent the last like hour, two, two, like two hours, um, with technical difficulties trying to get this episode started. So Thank you for your patience with through any technical issues that we've had in previous episodes. That being said, if you're not subscribed to the podcast, go ahead and do that now. Subscribe or follow on your platform. And for our Spotify listeners, you can tap the plus sign on the episode and add it to your saved episodes. If you can't listen to the full thing right now, then you can easily jump back in so you won't miss anything. Oh, you have your bracelets on. I should have got mine. I didn't think we would have this many podcast episodes to like discuss the tour as it's happening. When the tour started, I was like, yeah, we'll have like two at the beginning and then maybe one at the end. That'll be it. But there's just been so much going on at the tour. And it's, yeah. I'm, I'm kind of living for it. I really She's making it. it one to pay attention to. <laughs> mm-hmm. Not that there's ever one to not pay attention to, but she's really capitalizing on her insane popularity and relevance right now. <laughs> because I feel like even non-fans are like non, you know, serious fans are tuning into what she's doing every weekend. <laughs> Especially because it's just during the weekend. So it's like an event you look forward to every week. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All these new versions of Midnight's are kind of reminding me of this uh, scene in Friends where Rachel is dating a Ross lookalike and Monica is like, there's different, it's night and later that later night. Later that night. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, we have midnights, midnights 3 oh my God. midnights till the dawn, midnights the midnights late night tracks, midnights, midnights later at night. 
Oh my god, it's so annoying. <laughs> um, so should we start with Hits Different since that is the song that we've had for the longest um, and we can kind of just like get that one. So well, we got the CD the day it came out, which is our tradition, and we listened to Hits Different that day. And then I was like, wow, this is confusing. <laughs> this is a weird <laughs> song. <laughs> it was a similar experience to listening to Question for the first time. Yeah, and I just feel like, like the song ended going, <laughs> and I didn't know what I heard. No, no. But I feel like she's really embracing that style of writing a lot lately. It's very interesting to me. She's really like wordiness and just randomness and just like, I don't have to give you any specifics. And you know what? Here's another thought because I don't have to stop. <laughs> yeah, it's like, it's, I think it's interesting if you look at her songwriting post Folklore and Evermore, like how those albums maybe changed her approach to songwriting, specifically what she's willing to share. Midnight's was her first autobiographical album since Lover. It's just very interesting seeing where she's at with that and what, because like when she talks, I, I remember this one night I was watching a live stream and right before she started singing Betty, you know, when she's got her guitar and she's talking about how it felt to write folklore and not write about her life in such brutal, honest detail as she like describes it. She was like, you know, usually putting out an album is like so vulnerable and confessional and I'll just like put it out. And I'm like, <laughs> and she like covered her eyes and was like, I can't mm -hmm. take the response. And she's been putting out such honest stuff her whole career. And I bet that would, especially with the scrutiny she's had about what she shares and her dating life and writing mm -hmm. about it. I bet that would get to a point where you're just like, God, can I just make art that doesn't feel so like emotionally berating of a like i don't get that response it doesn't feel like a u.s weekly exclusive or something <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> you know we've been watching all of those speak now era videos and so much of what she would talk about in those interviews and stuff was like her songwriting process and like how she views herself as a songwriter she's like you know i've always wanted to remain the same songwriter and remain the same mm -hmm. person and it's like she can't really remain the same songwriter, though. She kind of has to evolve, especially it's with It's funny because she big... would say that, but in the same interview, she would be like, but I always want to be ever-changing. <laughs> but, like, she gets it in a way. Like, that's very relatable. <laughs> but, yeah, she seemed almost, like, eager about the fact that it was very personal, and she would even say names. Like, she was happy to talk about that. She's, like, she was just very brash about it. Which but... went away kind of quickly, the, the naming thing. But she left details, and she still wanted it to be very personal and like fans to know exactly all the little details and stuff. Just folklore was kind of the first time that she went away from that. It makes me more intrigued. We'll kind of get into this once we really start talking about these new songs, but it makes me more intrigued for what the lyrical content for the next album will be, specifically having mm -hmm. gone through such a public kind of like breakup right now. And so many people are speculating about her life and they're trying to piece it together and they're using Midnight's mm -hmm. to try to piece it together and try to make sense of it. Which is so it. funny because it's like, I mean, we've talked about this, but the timeline is messy and it's suspicious and we don't fully understand it. I think we'll probably, it's something we'll probably be able to look back on in future years mm -hmm. and be like, okay, that's what that was. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you know? we're only like very recently since we got Midnight's able to fully piece together the getaway car situation. <laughs> that has only really become clear whenever we got Midnight. So I feel like it'll take the next album to actually understand any timeline. I think we should do our Midnight's Revisit episode like for the one year anniversary of the album. Because I also feel like trying to do it even now is like premature. Yeah. So much is going to happen in the next 
six months because think about everything that's happened in the past month yes <laughs> exactly oh so it's exhausting <laughs> being a swifty it's so exhausting <laughs> literally a full-time job okay so hits different yeah let's just let's just start <laughs> so i was like what i can't process this and so it was kind of like it's very happy it's kind of cute like i can see some potential but it wasn't something that i was like oh my god best song ever which a lot of people did react that way they're like guys you're missing out hits different is the best song on the album one of her best songs but i feel like those are the people who listen to it over and over immediately when they got it like we listened to it once and then we were like okay i listened to it yeah a few times but i was like <laughs> and also weirdly the past like two months i've been listening to that podcast that smuggles the song onto spotify <laughs> and i like it because it has and you have my tweet down here <laughs> but i was going to explain on that so i tweeted that i need ts11 to sound like would have could have should have it's my favorite song of midnights and it's one of her best songs and it's not just lyrical it's the composition just like good music like the guitar the rock the pop it's 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 like we especially have been begging for a rock album since speak now basically because mm-hmm. she gave us a little hint of it and we're like more more, more. little taste <laughs> yeah and instead of grace and we're like more 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 <laughs> so what have could have should have i just need that i need more of that and hits different i feel like those are the two Rest- restart your your tweet like restart what you're saying because you, you went on a tangent there for a second <laughs> yeah i need ts11 to sound like would have could have should have and hits different and haunted and back to december honestly for those two i kind of just pulled two random speak now songs <laughs> <laughs> but like ones that like gave the most range you know mm-hmm. um the 3 a.m edition because i think the 3 a.m edition of midnight's Definitely deserves to be the 3 a.m. edition. Like, it doesn't really fit on Midnight's. Mm-hmm. So, um, like, What If Could Have Should Have, Bigger Than the Whole Sky, those songs, those could be, like, the bridge between eras to me in my mind. Yeah. Mixed with Speak Now. <laughs> speak Now. You know how I feel about Speak Now. Also, <laughs> we're entering Speak Now Taylor's version, so there's a lot of digging up Speak Now-related things. I'm sick of the, no offense, Jack Antonoff, but the Jack Antonoff the disaffected synth pop you know like that Mm -hmm. sort of thing sometimes when i'm listening to midnight songs i'm like this could be a bleacher song (laughs) like Mm. i can hear jack singing this yeah i don't don't really like (laughs) we'll see here's my problem with taylor collaborating with her friends is i feel like they just don't challenge each other artistically to the level that benefits taylor and her music yeah because like if you look at the stuff jack does with other artists those albums don't really sound like Bleacher's music. So just a lot of the stuff that she's done with him. I don't know. It just kind of fits into a category. It puts her into a box that she does not need to be in. Mm-hmm. Especially because her lyrics can carry her in any genre and any type of production. We see a lot with Lavender Haze. Some of the best songs on Midnight's were not done by Jack. <laughs> so that's why I think when you put Jack and Aaron on a song with Taylor, it works so well. And it becomes something new that we haven't heard before because there's just such a different dynamic. Like the creative energy of the three of them versus just jack and taylor so i also said like the emotional just the earnest lyrics speak now was so just hard in your sleeve like mm-hmm. everything and midnight's was very she was leaning into the comedy aspects mm-hmm. <laughs> of lyrics like she's trying to be like ironic and funny and stuff which it was really good and it worked really well but i think for the next album it would be nice to have like something very raw large production i've said that so many times folklore some songs had large production of folklore but the whole th- the whole mood of the album was very like light and airy and like this specific type of alternative music that's very like the national which obviously makes sense <laughs> but um would have could have should have felt like oh it's kind of like turning a corner a little bit like mm-hmm. she's not afraid to get some like 
really instrumentation in there that really feels like heavy. You should write a thesis on this. You should write this out (laughs) because I want to talk about this with you. And I think that it would make a really great episode too. And I think Midnight's, it was an interesting choice to do synth pop with Midnight's. The way the album was produced, it wasn't just predictable and expected. It was it was new and inter- it was an interesting choice. Mm-hmm. It wasn't just like, oh my God, I have to make something after Folklore Nevermore. I have to make the best thing I've ever made. Like I have yeah. to make my, I have to remake like the, be- you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I didn't feel like it had a bunch of pressure on it. I feel like she kind of just did what she was feeling in the moment. That's why I think Midnight's such a genius move. I feel like a good next turn would be something down this road, you know? <laughs> Mix it up a little bit. Go from that. I mean, she went to the craziest whiplash from Lover to Folklore and then from Evermore to Midnight's. I mean, she's not afraid to just flip 180 and yeah. I'm loving it because it's giving us all these different moods and different vibes. So that's the flip I'm hoping is next. Um, and I said, keep the pop girl slay of Midnight's and bring back the instruments. Because <laughs> I'm not asking her to do, like, alternative grunge, whatever. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I'm not, I don't need her to do an indie album. Like, I don't need her to do another folklore. She's really riding the pop high right now. <laughs> so, yeah. I think more of, like, a classic, a classic pop, like, instrumentation, pop rock, songwriter, whatever. You know what I mean? <laughs> it would be really different like it would be a a hard right turn but i also feel like it would make sense especially having gotten like would have could have should have on midnights and hits different because hits different is the very poppy version of that speaking of hits different everything kaya just said was kind of like in a roundabout way related to hits different and like inspired (laughs) by hits different but to really get into the song um the electric guitar is what just carries the song for me. I want that injected into my veins. It sounds almost fearless-y to me. Kind of reminds me of Today Was a Fairy Tale a little bit. Yeah, yeah. But it's almost like sweeter than fiction, too. Has those vibes. Because that was a movie soundtrack song. And this generally feels like a movie soundtrack song. Like, it's very, like, it has a lot of emotional journeys in it and everything. Mm-hmm. And also, she really kind of... The formula for the lyrics is kind of out the window. Like, there's a formula, obviously, but she just kind of goes on weird little tangents and, like, changes melodies and, like... Lyrically, it feels very much like it was written for her to process her feelings. Yeah, she's just, like, spitting stuff out on the paper, and she was like, let me put all of these to the music. (laughs) Yes, and that's what you and I were talking about, I think, in the last episode or in a recent one. I can't keep track anymore. We've we've hit too many episodes where I can place it. But I want more of that. And I think if she kind of went back to that style of songwriting, and what I mean by go back is not to take a step back creatively. (laughs) Yeah. I just mean, lyrically, this song feels very new for Taylor, but also very classic. Like, it's quite revealing. And I am such a sucker for her brutal honesty. It's very similar to how I feel about You Losing Me, which we will talk about in a second. But, like, let's just talk about some of these lyrics. Cried over a hat. (laughs) <laughs> I love that. That make, makes you think of you used a fork once. Turns out forks are fucking everywhere. Mm-hmm. Which is a Sabrina Carpenter <laughs> lyric. Um, Sabrina's really good at that. The bonded over black eyed peas. Like she just says shit. <laughs> it sounds so good because actually this is so random, but Charlie XCX tweeted this like the other day. She was talking about like, she quote tweeted somebody who's like, Charlie XCX will have the most like random, terrible sounding lyrics. And then once you hear it, it's really good. And she was like, it's because I say everything with conviction because I believe it. I'm not embarrassed about anything. Mm-hmm. And that's the difference. And Taylor's really good at that. Like the um, the lyric in Speak Now where she says, a gown shaped like a pastry. I've never once mm-hmm. been embarrassed for her for that lyric. 
No. Because she says it's so, like that was exactly, she wrote that entire line. And there's an attitude with it. And the delivery is spot on. She's like kind of laughing about it as she's singing it. Mm-hmm. She does that really well. I trace the evidence, make it make some sense. Really makes me think <laughs> of You're Losing Me. And also it just fits so well on Midnight's thematically. This album about what's keeping you up at night and kind of going through the labyrinth in your mind and trying to process something. Argumentative, antithetical dream girl. <laughs> it's so funny. the best lyrics. I saw that in so many people's bios for a long time. And I was like, what is this from? Really? <laughs> Where's everybody getting this? Did they all watch a movie that I haven't seen? And it's like, <laughs> I was so confused because I didn't really listen to the song. I was like you, I didn't listen to it until like a month ago or so. I texted you and I was like, do you think I can listen to the song now? Because it doesn't seem like it's going to be on streaming anytime soon. I think a lot of people took the, I heard your key turn in the door lyric to mean that this guy came back. But did he actually? Is it Okay. Or have they come to take me away? To take me away! <laughs> That's one of the most genius parts of the song because it sounds like the perfect build-up to the happy ending in the movie and she's mm-hmm. actually saying, have people come to take me away? <laughs> and she's like, take me away! <laughs> it's so genius. It's like the epitome imagine, of the song. Kaya, imagine that moment if that song was on Speak Now. Like, you just know that would be so mm. good. There'd be that electric guitar would just be layered with yep. drums. Oh my mm. god. So paint a picture in your head. Hits different. Would've mm. could have should have. Speak now the song. Mm. Uh back to December for some sadness. <laughs> Story of us. And haunted. Those are the vibes. Oh, you can open your eyes. Sky. <laughs> yeah, open your eyes. Everyone open your eyes. Happy. <laughs> Ecstatic. <laughs> also, this the new Snow on the Beach version. Let's talk about it because it's better, in my opinion, <laughs> and she takes away the light and airy production where you're not really sure if you're hearing instruments or, like, the ghost of instruments past. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. The ghost of instruments and she past. Puts, she puts the guitar away more clear in the mix, and she adds this piano that's like, take me back to... That whole thing, uh, annoying thing that I always talk about, the, um, like, apologize, like, that era of, like, pop rock ballads that was really big in the late 2000s. Mm-hmm. Um, that was really awesome for me. Because I was <laughs> like, she understands my crazy convoluted brain. <laughs> <laughs> and somehow received the message that I was telepathically sending her. <laughs> and Lana's amazing. I love it. It just makes the song more complex and gives it more depth, I think. And she changed the melody like in the second verse. And I think that's something that I didn't like about the song, but I didn't know that I didn't like it until I heard it differently. Like Taylor, that melody is just so specific. It feels like it needs to go somewhere else. The fact that in this version it does and Lana sings it in the Lana way that she does. It just scratches something in my brain. Yeah. It just sounds so good. And I was like more featuring more Lana Del Rey like is that really necessary but it it was and (laughs) she's going back and she's re she loves to rewrite history but I just want to know where her head's at and when she did this and there's a lot of questions I have a question (laughs) at the end of Snow on the Beach the original version it does that it's coming down it's coming down it's coming down it's coming down that's not in this version at the end I don't know if you've Mm -hmm. noticed that yet but that's not there. I forgot. I don't know. <laughs> and my favorite parts of the song originally were the um, 
It's coming down of sound, it's all around like snow on the beach. Mm -hmm. That part right there. And then the mm -hmm. it's coming down, it's coming down, it's coming down part. And the fact that that's not in there makes me a little sad. But overall, I do think I like the more Lana version better. And that's, I'll probably listen to both. But um, I'll, I think this will be kind of become my new standard version of the song. Midnight's is crazy because like, how much more shit is she going to put throw at us? <laughs> It's like there's different versions of every song. There's a vault track, even though why did why was there a vault? <laughs> I don't understand that. You put out a deluxe edition. Why wasn't it? But apparently, I think she wrote that recently. So, uh, yeah, it's very messy. But that's okay. Okay, so perfect transition into you're losing me. We'll talk about that now. Someone on Instagram asked us, "When do you think she wrote this?" Which is that is the million perfect. dollar question. <laughs> <laughs> perfect for what you're saying calling this a vault track that's so annoying that, that's interesting taylor it's so annoying we have to just address this she's annoying <laughs> <laughs> it it sounds like it was written at the end of their relationship but before it was actually over or she had like the concept when it was ending but she probably finished it and polished it after they broke up she seems scared to even like think about breaking up with him at the, when they were still together so it was probably something that she was forming before but she definitely didn't write the whole song until probably later after they had broken up how weird would that be to be like in a relationship with someone and you're like this is ending i can tell that this is ending and you're like if i put a breakup song on this album before we're broken up is that gonna be too revealing <laughs> like what a life to live <laughs> which is like that's something i wanted to say too about hits different is it's so um funny <laughs> it's, she put that on the the target exclusive edition only on a cd like that song to me when i first heard it i was like are they broken up like what is this it sounded like it was about whenever they had a rough patch because they had some but, rough patches back in the day but especially after hoax because that made me think well that's a whole other thing <laughs> that's one of the greatest swifty mysteries <laughs> i just feel like people when they heard when we heard hits different as a collective we didn't question that as much as we should have i just thought it was because it was about midnight in her life so i assumed it was whenever they were having a rough patch that she wrote about in rep and lover the afterglow and the cornelia street and all that i guess i just never took it that way it sounded very current for her so let's just talk about yeah. your lizzie me the lyrics are crazy i've only listened to it like twice so i can't really like there's uh, still a little fuzzy in my mind yeah yeah same but um it did feel like it was thrown together very quickly it kind of had that vibe of hits different to me that it was like less structured it feels like she recorded it recently and she just put it out. <laughs> yeah. I do. It's not as polished as her typical song. I think I would agree with that. I just wanted to say I love her simple choruses. I think they are very underrated. I do wish the end, which this is kind of what I was about to say, is I do wish the end of the bridge was repeated and kind of used like a second chorus, sort of like what Taylor does in Treacherous and State of Grace. I think the lose something, babe, choose something, risk something, whatever, feels very chorus-like and it's so different from the rest of the bridge and the rest of the song, that it would work really well to be used in that way. I need to listen to it more, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> I need her to put it on streaming. I don't like all these songs, like, just circling in the stratosphere. I, I want them decision to do the two different versions at the same time. It's like, are you serious? There's already been, like, 18 versions. 
Just put it all in one. Also, did you see someone who put, you played Cornelia Street and you're losing me at the same time? And it was literally like a back and forth. Like she would say lyric and then she would say lyric and then she would say lyric. Yes. Do you think that was on purpose? Maybe. <laughs> it definitely, ha- it's in the same key and it they sound like responses, call and responses to each other. So I think that was intentional. I think I saw you liked something on Twitter that somebody compared the sweet nothing, uh, mm-hmm. the notes in sweet nothing dun, to... Dun, 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 dun. You're losing me. Do, do, yeah. Do, 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 do. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. Like, are those just coincidences? You never know with her. And the fact that Sweet Nothing is on the same album as You're Losing Me, when she does songs later and earlier and she releases songs as singles later, they form new associations that are separate from when you first get into the album and yeah. all those songs together. The fact that she put this song on there so late... This is so odd. <laughs> like, why not wait and save this for whatever you do next for your next album? Unless she doesn't really want to talk about this on the next album. I could see that. Yeah. She wants to bookend that in the Midnight's era in the past and move on. Because she's clearly moved on. She's in a whole other thing now. <laughs> and she says she's happy she's ever been. So, like, she's not looking back, I don't think, right now. <laughs> I could see that. I just kind of thought of that as I was talking. (laughs) But a lot's going to change in the next year. So we don't know exactly. But right now, maybe that's what she's thinking. I could also see her kind of feeling like this song, if it was something she just wrote and was feeling recently, kind of, you know, still in associated with this album in her brain. And she just wanted it to be a part of this. Or I could see her maybe wanting to give it to the fans because the way she put it out did feel like she was just like trying to give it directly to the fans, which I do like and think it's interesting. But maybe she kind of was like, here's a a kind of missing (laughs) link, a delayed story that still fits thematically on this album. But that just makes me think that Midnight's was their like breakdown and then obviously now break up album <laughs> i just had this thought don't forget it's so funny that she's like this is midnight scattered across my life i think that's not necessarily true <laughs> no and um but like that's a way that the album works both ways midnight's things that haunt her in the middle of the night now or it was just midnight's then past my whatever she just didn't want to have the heat on her about it i think but, calling them scattered across her life was oh. a way to separate herself in a folklore yeah but like she reflected on like past nights in her life but even those songs were very current like it's clear that she's thinking about it right now like what could have should have that's not about something that happened a long time ago that's her current feelings about things and same with question like you can say that that's something in the past but you're thinking it now (laughs) (laughs) it's so funny yeah the fact that we don't know who she wrote this with and who produced this song makes me suspicious like, why Why not just put a little lyric booklet in there? They were very lazy with that. The stupid poster. I don't know if that was lazy <laughs> the or just tour uh, stuff. No, it was lazy. The song just really colors Midnight's differently. Like, the whole concept of her being kept awake late into the night, knowing what the catalyst for that really was. It makes me excited for when we do our Midnight's revisit. Mm-hmm. I feel like there's going to be a yeah, lot more to say. That's... <laughs> so let's talk about these lyrics. You might just have dealt the final blow is... Compelling. There's really nothing else about that in the song. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's very vague in this song. She doesn't want to say what happened, but she's giving her feelings without giving the circumstances that are causing the feelings. 
which makes me think of maybe it was ego swinging, maybe it was her. Yeah, there's a lot of shit that he's done, and I'm just going to say that. <laughs> Got my heartbeat skipping down 16th Avenue to My Heart Won't Start Anymore for You. And then she ends the song with My Heart Won't Start Anymore, period. End of sentence. And the heartbeat's not in it anymore. That's a subtle change to go from Won't Start for You to Won't Start Anymore. It's like yeah. not only have you has has this taken away my ability to feel anything for you, but it's like I'm just kind of numb now. Which really makes me think of Atlantis by Bridget Mendler. I hope she's been listening to that. So me. <laughs> and I've had thoughts about like Afterglow and the Great War. Kind of I've had my skepticisms on those songs and about what they mean for their relationship. Mm-hmm. And I think the breakup just kind of confirmed them for me. But it doesn't s- this is like definitely growth from that, from her being like, oh, it's all me in my head. Blah, blah. This is growth. She's recognizing maybe it's not all in my head. There's still more to unpack there. I'm not sure. Obviously, that's her business and that's something we probably might not even know about, but hmm. she does write about these things. So The lyric, uh, you don't know what you got till it's gone. I was listening to Speak Now yesterday. And in If This Was a Movie, she says, not before I knew how much I had to lose. And then in Back December, she said, wishing I'd realized what I had when you were mine. Not to connect those storylines in any way, but I just find it so fascinating thinking back to when we talked about in our last episode about Taylor's catalog being so big and expansive. Um, if you haven't listened to the episode, go listen to it. It's just so fascinating <laughs> to look at the times that she's used similar metaphors or phrases in all these different ways. I just love looking at those and looking at the songs and different points in her life when they've come up and just the different ways that she writes them into the songs. Next, we got Karma featuring Ice Spice. And Before we say that, I just want to preface uh, us ending the You're Losing Me discussion here. We've only listened to the song a couple times, so that's we'll have a much more coherent conversation about it in six months when we revisit the album. So this song is very cute and very fun. And I do wish that they didn't slow the tempo down during her verse because I heard someone edit it without slowing it down and Mm -hmm. it sounded so much better and it just like kept the energy up, which would have been good. The verse is cute. It's okay, baby. I like that. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. I've been listening to it a lot, but also watching the music video. Obviously, I'm going to listen to it. So the music video is amazing. We'll talk about that, but that is the best part of this for me. I feel the same way. Just the tempo of it, I don't love. And the transition into and out of her verse just didn't feel very natural. Yeah. I think it's because of the tempo change. If they just kept that, then it wouldn't have been anything. I do like her voice and that that exact part too is my favorite part of her mm-hmm. verse. It's okay, baby. I love you it. You gotta <laughs> come and never get lazy. Lazy. Yeah. Sounds so good. Oh, wait, I have to say the never ever. I lo- the ever yes. ever. Genius. I love when rap girls get on a song, a pop song, and then they like do some like cute little reference to the mm-hmm. the pop girl in the song. I love it. We asked you guys on Instagram to share your thoughts on the song with us, and someone said she's elevating a newer artist and appealing to Gen Z. Mission accomplished. I mean, yeah. <laughs> Pretty <Yeah>. much. <laughs> um, Maddie said it's good, but I like the OG better. Okay, so here is my feeling on that is i do like the original version better really the only thing i have this to compare to is the bad blood remix because i feel like that's the last time that she remixed an album track with a rap artist Mm -hmm. Um, i don't think she's done that any other time since bad blood was a very weak song it's easily the worst song on 1989 in my opinion and it's one of my least favorite taylor songs what worse than how you get the girl (laughs) yes i like it 
it's it's not like trying to be a strong song, <laughs> but I enjoy it. I liked Bad Blood when it was on the album, but Kendrick's remix is better. Well, that's the thing is when you take when you're taking like a C level song and you're getting a remix out of it, it's so easy to elevate the song. But Karma was one of my favorite songs on Midnight. Yeah. As so soon it's as I like heard it. there's not much room for improvement. Like you've kind of hit the yeah. ceiling of the song, so the other versions just kind of like right there next to it. It's like, yeah, this is another option to listen to. So that's kind of just how I feel about it. The music video, that's a different story. Let's just talk about the, is it East Rutherford? That's such an interesting. <laughs> MetLife. MetLife Met Night life. 1. Okay, we'll say that. MetLife Night 1. So many tricks and surprises and threats on my life. <laughs> when she said, got some surprises in store, I had flashbacks to our Nashville show when she said tricks up her sleeve. And I was like, oh my God. Mm-hmm. Something unhinged is Everyone about to happen. Talking about that number that I'm not going to even mention, and it better not happen. And stop saying it because you're going to make it happen by saying it and talking about it and tweeting about it. <laughs> There's a certain number with four digits, and I'm not going to address it because I addressing it gives it power and gives it weight, and I'm just going to let it die because speak now. It's <laughs> speak now era, bitch. Okay, and we're not going to overshadow speak now with that number. Okay. <laughs> Period. <laughs> the new lover out- outfit. How do you feel about it? I love it. I love when she wears weird things. <laughs> and all those little tassels were so weird and cute and I love them. Because it reminded me of the Shawn Mendes Lover Remix cover. <laughs> because the lover has pink and blue and yellow, which is all the color elements on the album cover. The pink, the blue, and the yellow thing at the edge. Mm-hmm. That The gold or whatever you want to call it. So both outfits exemplified that. And then I was like, what's this? This looks like the Shawn, <laughs> Shawn Mendes Remix of Lover with the purple and the pink. <laughs> Which is not a very cute cover, but like the visuals do bring me there. <laughs> oh my god! But the, I I like it. It's really cute. Hold on, I need a drink of water after you just said all that. That was so funny. <laughs> oh my god! I fucking Shawn Mendes. Okay. <laughs> Did you see someone say he was at the show and they asked if he wanted a friendship bracelet and he was grabbed their arm and was like, "No." <laughs> That's hilarious. Interesting specimen. Um. So the new lover outfit. I don't like the tassels themselves. I feel like it, it sh- maybe should have been something different. But when you see it like on stage and you can't really tell that it's tassels, I think it looks really good. If it was something else, it would be just overall better. But I do like the effect that it gives when she's on stage. Evermore dress, beautiful. So stunning. It felt like the Christmassy version of Evermore. Mm-hmm. Or like, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's beautiful. It looked like champagne. Like, you know the Champagne Problems uh, lyric video? That's what it looked like. Yes. With all the bubbles. Oh my god, yeah. It did look very, yeah. like, a holiday dress. And I like that it's not glittery, it's just, like, shimmery. Enchanted dress, very pretty, looks like Christmassy, snowy, back to December-y. Everyone who was saying if that that was a white yeah. wedding dress, if shut up. If you're mentioning weddings and marriage, just stop and log off. <laughs> no one needs to hear about it. Do you hear? Did you even listen to Lavin Hayes? That was another thing. Everyone was like, everyone was like, oh, she gaslighted herself and did not want to get married. Shut up. Please shut up. We do not need more people on the internet or otherwise talking about women in their marriage and getting married and that they should get married and that they want to get married and that they... Shut up. God. Yeah, I love the enchanted Just a little transition there. I think it looks the most like the actual dress she wore when she sang Enchanted on the Speak Now tour and that wool gown she wore for like love story and the end of the show for the speak now tour mm. it looks more somewhere in the middle of those two to me than the other three enchanted dresses 
So it's, I think it's my favorite one. Um, when she brought out all her backup dancers, it really brought me back to the Speak Now tour. I was watching it live and I was like, what? Well, for, yeah, for one, <laughs> it really on? scared me. I was like, what <laughs> yeah. is about to happen? What did you think she was going to do when you saw that? I thought they were going to do some sort of <laughs> like dance off circle thing. <laughs> Oh no, it was weird. I was like, my brain is not competing with this. Why are the dancers out here during the surprise songs? I thought she was maybe gonna like perform Karma with Ice Spice in that moment. Well, I'm just gonna say it's really cool that she did that and she sat there on the stage with them and stuff. Yeah, that was cute. I really it felt like that. very like communal and and I like that she's like debuting things in person. Like here's a music video, guys, and like here's these CDs. Even though it was annoying to make it exclusive to only people there. After she premiered the video, she brought out Jack to sing Getaway Car, and then she played Maroon and on the piano. thousands of Swifties screamed into the night. <laughs> the shot heard around the world. <laughs> I thought Jack just like softly yelling into the microphone was so funny. He was just like, I'm going to get away, car. <laughs> like every few seconds, he would just like throw a line into the mic. Maroon. That very pissed me off. <laughs> don't know why she would think to do that while I'm not there. So if you guys don't know this, Maroon is mine and Kai's, like in our top three favorite songs on Midnight's heavily. It's on my, it's my favorite standard track on Midnight's. I would give anything to have been in the audience for that. But like when I think about wanting to hear Maroon live, I'm like, you need but production. I don't want it just like on the guitar. I don't want it just mm-hmm. like on the piano. I want the full production. Like I feel like yeah. Dancing With Our Hands Tied did not have its proper moment on the Reputation Tour. Nope. And I I hate to see that happen to Maroon. Yeah. But it sounded incredible on the piano. The thing is with the way she does arrangements, they're very simple. And I understand because she's doing so many a night and so many different songs. Mm-hmm. But it's a v- it's like the most simple you can get it. And it's like almost sometimes all the songs start to sound the same. Because yeah. it's like she's using the same chords. Yeah, I <laughs> think that all the time. Which is disappointing to me. Because <laughs> like the musicality is the best, some of the best parts, especially of songs like Maroon. I think that is but. just a weakness she has on the piano. Coming up with an arrangement really quickly. Like with a surprise song, kind of on guitar too. She doesn't. She does very simple and basic chords. She's good at guitar, but she doesn't. She makes them very standard and bass basic. Mm, I would kind of disagree with you because I feel like but think well, about but, all the things oh, wait, you can do on a guitar. Wait, but listen, when it comes to something that she hasn't played live very much, like you know when she plays newer songs on the guitar, I can kind of tell this hasn't been honed in. And refined but like when she plays like her debut fearless speak now song on the guitar it's so interesting to listen to like she's doing so much on that guitar next <laughs> what wait <laughs> nothing to say oh, i still hold my opinion <laughs> would you like to share it with the rest of us kaya it sounds great she's great at strumming rhythmically and doing that kind of stuff but she's the arrangements are very based base level of what the songs are I felt like the melody was really feeling reminiscent of like a debut song, hearing it on the piano that way. Like it felt like very, I very old Taylor. Like it almost gave me like Dark Blue Tennessee. Taylor, please put Dark Blue Tennessee on debut Taylor's version. Thank you. In your name, we pray. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> okay, let's talk about the Carmen music video. 
So many thoughts on this. We kind of touched on this in our last episode when we talked about the Speak Now TV announcement, but I love this new trend of Taylor announcing things at her shows. Yeah, it's fun. Especially when you're there. (laughs) It's just such a great way to share things with the fans first, and it's probably as intimate of a gathering she can have right now. And she doesn't just have an audience of the people in the stadium because so many people are watching live streams, even the ones who aren't watching it in real time, they wanna know what happened last night. And she just has a huge audience right now. The Ayers tour is her stage and she's like making it her stage to do whatever she wants on. And I just love that. The music video. I was really relieved after seeing the video that the Liverpool music video is marked safe for Speak Now. Because when we got those images and people said she's gonna, Karma is the next single, and we know that that means she's probably gonna have a music video for it. I got really scared that like, oh God, is she gonna try and like put Speak Now in Midnight's again? Like, can we just please get- (laughs) She puts the Speak Now song on Midnight's. God. Like, I just really didn't want that. So I'm really glad that whatever music video she was filming, that very speak now, imagery heavy music video and reference heavy music video is for a song on speak now. I can sleep peacefully. Do you think she put any hints in this video? Well, funny you should ask. <laughs> I watched it at midnight when it premiered mm-hmm. and it was so fun. And then I watched it like three more times after that and like paused and like did all that stuff because I was like really into it. <laughs> such a good video Mm -hmm. this is probably my favorite video of the midnight's era but i really love all the videos okay well she had 1989 written in roman numerals on the the whatever the the scale statue thing it's it's like talking about how like the universe is so much wider than all this stuff and like karma is in the history and the fabric of our universe and it's she's like i've got these powerful beings on my side it doesn't matter like good or bad or whatever it's just which is interesting interesting point to make taylor (laughs) i love that she immortalized the era's era tour era's era and era tour nails Mm -hmm. in a music video so cute i think with the clock that was kind of the way to say like this is the end of the midnight's era because i don't think we're going to get anything else from it so i think because the clock went to midnight and um, the Lavender Haze music video starts with going from 11.59 to midnight. So it's kind of like, you know, it was kind of saying to me like, okay, Midnight's Era is out because she was like walking to her piano to sit with somebody. That's Jack. I don't know who. It really, looks, it really looks like Jack. Based on what? <laughs> the back of his head and his hair. It looks like Jack to me. And Jack is who she made this album with. Karma, it's, it happened on Karma She's is literally boyfriend. an idiot if she put that man in a music video like have you not learned your lesson you're gonna have i don't think she has learned any lessons william bowery is gonna be getting money for these songs he wrote with you for the rest of your life and you're gonna put this rat man in a music video and that's something i'm gonna say proudly not proudly but boldly (laughs) but so it seemed like she wasn't it wasn't in the music video anymore it was like okay we're out of the music video we're out of the midnight's era because it like went out of the the clock and so she had 1999 and rap. So she's saying, now we're going to speak now, and you all know that. <laughs> but look what's left. And I think it totally makes sense that she would do Speak Now, 1989, and then Reputation, and then end with debut. I think she kind of already said that she was doing that, because the Bejeweled music video, she went to the Speak Now one, and then she went to the 1989 one. So I, I think that's been confirmed. Rep obviously would be next, because you assume debut's going to be last. I think it would make a lot of sense to go from 1989 TV into Reputation TV. I loved all the visuals in this video so much. I saw the the moon and the Saturn reference, which you have written down. That was, it was like the god of Sagittarius. 
and the god of Capricorn because Ice Spice is a Capricorn. Mm -hmm. So that was astrological references, I'm pretty sure. Mm -hmm. Someone also said something about the first three images. The first one had a reference to 1989. Mm -hmm. The second one had very rep vibes and energy. Mm -hmm. And the third one, No Place Like Home, made them think of debut. So they thought maybe that was like her way of saying the next, the order of the next three Mm, possibly that's interesting see that was my thing with asking you like do you think there are hints and like nods to anything do you think she's communicated anything that's what i'm in- answering but that yeah that's why i wanted to bring that up is because with bejeweled it was very obvious and she literally told us that she had a pdf of easter eggs before we even saw the video so we like knew that everything yeah. we saw meant something but with this video mm-hmm. like any other video we don't know for sure if any of it means anything or if we're just like but also it's just a good music video for the themes of the song mm-hmm. and um yes. also i love the hourglass visual i could talk about that oh so my long. god the Kaya. fact that she's sitting on top which is her past and the bottom which is her future and she's just living she's showering in the sands of time Keep going Do you yep. understand how powerful that is and it looked like she had way more ahead of her than she had that had already fallen into there. So, like, that's what she's saying right now. She's saying, you haven't seen anything yet. The way she's talked, even specifically, like, on this tour, when she introduces Nothing New, and she's like, I'm afraid you guys are going to get sick of me. Thank you for not getting sick of me yet. That's what this song is about. It's so crazy to think about, like, karma coming back around, just, like, propelling her career and giving her all this... I don't even know how to fully form this. Like, it's just... It's so much. She's just, like, completely restarting that clock that people kind of put on... Mm-hmm. Uh, women in the women, industry. Yes, in the industry. Specifically, like, pop artists. Because it's kind of, like... It's about your brand and your looks and your ability and to youth, The perform. glamorization of youth and to be... You have to be the hot new thing. Hot new thing. Hot new thing. And the fact that they're... Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I, <laughs> I'm, like, shaking. I have to say this to you. About this <laughs> about this hourglass. There, The fact that there are two of her... Mm-hmm. Two, two versions of her in this hourglass. Time is running down on one of them and it's like restarting for the other. If you think about her re-recording all of her mm-hmm. old, her first six albums. Yep. Mm-hmm. It's, that's one of my favorite visuals she has ever done. Yeah. Also, I saw that it was a reference to one of the gods. I think every visual has a reference to one of the gods. I will uh, link one, some of these threads on our Twitter if you guys want to go look at them there, just so you can find them and kind of like know what we're talking about. The light bulbs. Those are beautiful. She looked absolutely, <laughs> pun, glowing. <laughs> <laughs> and I loved how many times she had the curly hair with the side part and no bangs. That was, yes. I love, love, love that. Such a comfort to me to see. Mm-hmm. She looks so good like that. Like, show your face, girl. <laughs> and the fact that she's just like, the, everyone fades, but I'm shining brighter than ever. And she's just getting brighter and brighter and until it explodes. <laughs> also, those light bulbs made me think of like the flash of a camera bulb. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And her being inside of that. Do you think it means anything that there are five light bulbs? She's re-recording her first six albums. So, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, her I her fifth album is... Is what? <laughs> is what? <laughs> it's a number. <laughs> it is a number. Um, I don't know. I just love visuals for this album. After I watched it, mm-hmm. I wanted to go back and watch it again, so I pulled it up on my TV, and it made me think of something you tweeted about Reputation and Midnight's being the superior pop eras, because I looked at all the Lover music videos, and I was like, I do not want to watch Ugh. a single one of those. <laughs> <laughs> 
Like, no part of me wants to rewatch those videos. She really flopped. <laughs> uh, at least the 1990 music videos were amazing. Mm -hmm. Lover can't say the same. What's the best lover video? The man? No, I hate that video. Just because it, the, the concept is funny. I just hate watching her <laughs> in that prosthetic. It just does not look good. It is very, very weird. It's disturbing like her movement. <laughs> I know. I know. She just looks so awkward. And like the the scene at the end where, where she's on the tennis court. I'm like, what? Yeah. What? I don't. I don't know. I just don't really care for it. Did she direct that? That was the first video she ever she directed, directed. Well, by herself. She needed to. She needed to learn. <laughs> she learned. <laughs> Something that I wanted to say when you were talking about the coffee scene at the end of this video oh my god i love how it ended with her sitting down at the piano because it kind of represents her continuing to write and make music like we're capping off midnights and moving into more re-recordings and all the while taylor is still continuing to write and make new music and it's kind of like i don't know like i just love that she put that in a video of like okay the video's over and here's just here's just me and what we're doing we're doing the re-recordings life update <laughs> <laughs> but it also reminded me of the folklore and evermore music videos where she's like mm. at the piano and like everything comes back to her at the piano yeah it's so special i just love it yeah i love that she did that last thing you have how would you rank this compared to the rest of the midnight's visuals i think it's my favorite I don't know. I, I th it might be recency bias because I really just was just so excited when it came out. Mm -hmm. I think Lavender Haze might be my favorite. It's probably between that and Lavender Haze. But Antihero is very iconic and legendary and it will age really well. I think Bejeweled is my least favorite. Bejeweled is the one that I've rewatched the most, but it's because it was the only Speak Now thing she gave us for so long. And yeah. I was like, I honestly had to rewatch it to remind myself that I'm not crazy. Bejeweled was a great video, though. Like, it would blow anything lover on the, out of the water. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I do feel like it had potential to be better. And yeah, kind I of agree. making it, it be a little a, bit convoluted. Yeah, making it be a, a video for just a bunch of Speak Now Easter eggs kind of like held it back a little bit. And yeah, it's very convoluted. Yeah. It's hard to... And follow. she had the Cinderella storyline, but also like the elevator thing is kind of all over the place. Yeah, there's a lot going on. Let's talk about East Rutherford. Night two. Metlife. Night two. Metlife. Metlife. Night two. She played Holy Ground on guitar and False God on piano. And I just want to say, nobody understands False God the way that I do. And no one, no one loved it. <laughs> Until recently, I guess. It just kind of came out of nowhere. But mm. it was like everybody's... Nobody talked about it when Lover came out. And it was literally my top three when Lover came out. Just want to say that. Because I'm annoying and I have some issues. <laughs> I really love that she played Holy Ground on the guitar. Because she has played mm -hmm. that actually more so than a lot of other like really good deep cuts from some of her earlier work. Mm, it's kind of like her own legacy as a fan favorite. Yeah, Holy Ground has like a little mini all too well moment between us and Taylor. You know, when she first brought it back in those 2016 or 2017 shows in Texas, like really random ones that she did, she played it mm -hmm. at one of them. And she, you know, she just so sang it and had like kind of like the red tour. And then on the 1989 tour, she played it as a surprise song on the guitar. And then in the Lover era, she played it on the piano and like this kind of Phil Collins sounding rendition of it that was like really unique <laughs> and different. But she hasn't played it on the guitar like that since the 1989 tour. So I was like, oh, what a little treat. And why did she, after releasing a video with the 
satanic visuals from playing Holy Ground and Full Scott the next night. <laughs> that was so funny. I don't really oh get a correlation God. there. I knew that I'm New York City thing. She wanted to say that. But I consoled myself by not being there for False God because it didn't like the rendition. It sounded so watered down and bland. <laughs> That's what I was going back to. Like the piano, like the chords are not that boring. You could do a little bit more. A little bit. Something that really pisses me off. I know that people on Twitter really get uh, their knickers in a twist when I talk about how much I hate fan chants. They are throwing stones, but the chants are stupid. And let me tell you why. Like Taylor sang False God and nobody did the eh. People weren't like singing that because it wasn't like a cool thing that everybody decided they were going to say on TikTok before the show. It's not really about the music. It's just about like, let's just say this fan chant so we can record it and then put a video of it on TikTok <laughs> and then people will watch it and be like, oh my God, that's such a cool fan <laughs> chant. I'm going to start doing that. And then they can be like, I started that. You're so welcome. Oh, it doesn't need fan now. <laughs> yes. Yes. It's like, let me buy my way into being a fan by like creating <laughs> fabricating some stupid chant where are you going taylor <laughs> idiot like <laughs> really do and it's because it when she sings false god nobody did the eh. like you're not actually invested did in you the really music. expect him though to do that they should yes uh-huh. and i was watching a live stream and people said sydney during blank space and it's like you don't get it that is so embarrassing <laughs> I mean, there's classic chants that have been a thing for a long time. Like what? Like, you forgive, you forget, but you never did. That's not a chant cool. that's in the song. So? That's my thing. It's still they're, something that the fans sing that Taylor doesn't sing. They're trying to create things okay. One, that two, three, don't three, exist in the song because they don't actually know any of the things in the songs. What did you think about the Come Back Be Here claps? Well, okay, here's my thing. I saw a lot of people not enjoying that. And a lot of people, their response to that was, that's in the song. Yes, it's in the song. It's not actually, but they, there's not actual claps in the song. It sounds like a clap, but no, it's not I like know. a bunch of people. I know. <laughs> I would have been fine with it, with the clapping, if they had stopped when the, that clapping sound yeah. stops. But they just kept going. The way they going, continued through the song. So and weird. that was really weird. They were clapping during some of these surprise songs and at these MetLife shows. I was reminiscing just the other day. <laughs> and they always go offbeat when they clap. When fans clap, they always lose the tempo. Yeah, it's <laughs> terrible. Don't do that. I did feel like False Got on the piano had just like a totally different emotional vibe to it, though. Which, you know, the piano just makes things sound sadder. Yeah, but she made the most basic chords, <laughs> which is not the chords in the song. I understand. I understand this. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I just, I Thank think you. I need to validate your feelings for a second. Let me, I'm so sorry, Kaya, that she did these terrible <laughs> renditions of your beloved songs. She's the one who should be sorry. She needs to ask her keys player to help her compose yeah. some of these. She's amazing. To kind of sum up, Midnight's as an album is starting to take a very interesting shape. Not necessarily a breakup album. And that's a pretty obvious, not everything is so black and white. And like we've said, mm-hmm. by just categorizing something as like a breakup song or a breakup album, you're kind of watering them down by trying to put them into one of two groups, which was Taylor's mm-hmm. issue when making Lover. She said, okay, let me go on this opposite end of the spectrum from what reputation was. And it felt really forced and it didn't work. Did it? <laughs> <laughs> no. So I don't think we need to try and like scramble and recategorize Midnight's. It's like, oh, is it a breakup album? Do we all need to agree on that and call it that? And it's like, no, Midnight's, yeah. is, Midnight's is still Midnight's. It is what it has Midnight's always is what been. It is. 
And if you get it, you get it. If you don't, you don't. And that's that's it. <laughs> it is an album about what keeps you up at night. On that note, I've been understanding the album more. And I think the album cover is much more interesting than most of us realize it is. Mm. But I'll save that for our Midnight's Revisit episode. If you enjoy this podcast, there are a couple ways you can support us. First, subscribe or follow us on your podcast platform. It helps us because you'll never miss an episode and it helps you because you'll never miss an episode. Secondly, <laughs> leave us a five-star rating and review. This lets people know that our listeners enjoy our episodes. And for all of our pathological people pleasers, follow us on Twitter at SwiftyPod13 and Instagram at Further Explanation Pod. We post a lot of extra stuff over there. And we will talk to you in the next episode when we discuss these Speak Now music videos, probably. Depending on what she decides to throw at us. <laughs> Thank you guys so much for listening to the podcast. We really, really appreciate it. Bye. Bye.